It's Megacon, the largest comic book, anime, gaming, and multimedia event in the southeastern U.S. returns. Megacon from March 21st through the 23rd, 2014 at the Orange County Convention Center in Magical Orlando, Florida. Confirmed comic book guests include Frank Bruner, Neil Adams, Bill Sinkevic, Mark Wade, Ron Mars, Greg Land, Michael Golden, Dennis Calero, George Perez, Brandon Peterson, Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, Colly Hamner, Carl Story, Renee Winterstater, Billy Tucci, and Brian Polito. Just added Nick Bradshaw, Adam Kubert, Dan Jurgens, Mike Miller, Kevin Eastman, Joshua Ortega, Digger, Bart Sears, Ethan Van Skyver, Mike McCone, Frank Thierry, Mike Mayhew, and Chuck Dixon. Confirmed media guests include stars from AMC's The Walking Dead, Torchwood, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Smallville, Battlestar Galactica, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many, many, many more. Plus I, Scott Gardner, will be there representing the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Tickets are available online now at www.megaconvention.com. Children 10 and under are free with paid adult ticket. That's Megacon 2014 at the Orange County Convention Center, Magical Orlando, Florida, March 21st through the 23rd. For information, contact info at megaconvention.com or visit www.megaconvention.com. That's Megacon 2014. Be there. The Canadian Military History Podcast is dedicated to preserving the stories of Canada's military veterans, past and 39 uh, when the war started, present. So I'm extremely proud to have the opportunity to serve as the Canadian Forces Chief Foreign Officer. And eventually future. I hope the biggest challenge is still ahead of me. In their own words. Unlike other history projects which tend to focus on dates, places, battles, and numbers, this podcast asks four key questions that reveal who this person is and what made them into the soldier, sailor, or air crew that they are today. When you do finally come back to the unit, it was like you never left. Join me, Mike Lacroix, each week as I speak to military veterans of all eras, from private to general and everyone in between. I think it's been great. I think these are the narratives that need to be told about why they joined the Canadian Armed Forces. First off, my dad was in the military. As a kid growing up, I watched what he did, the lifestyle he had, and I thought, this is okay, this is something that I think I could do. What their greatest memory or achievement was. My greatest achievement, I think, was leading my sniper team in battle. Who was their greatest influence or the most memorable character they've encountered? Very experienced, very professional, very smart, all-around great guy, and always seem to have just the right kind of advice for you. And what was the greatest challenge they've had to overcome? The next morning I was sleeping, and this staff sergeant, his name was Miko, he come by and he says, uh, wake up, kid, he says, uh, your brother was killed last night, we're going to bury him. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or visit www.canadianmilitaryhistorypodcast.ca for the RSS feed link or to stream. I remember at one point, uh, one RCR warrant officer showing us how to shave in a mud puddle. And it was just, your sleeping bag got wet? I guess that's too bad, eh? Comments and updates are also posted on the Canadian Military History Podcast Facebook page. It was just the most physically and mentally challenging course of my life. I can be contacted at MikeLacroixCMHP at gmail.com for any comments, suggestions, or feedback. The Canadian Military History Podcast is about the people behind the uniform and not the politics behind conflict. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy 
The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. These freaks are dedicated, hardworking people. I'm Batman. Whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of thought. This looks like a job for Superman. Let's roll! Let's hear it for Captain America! It's the Dying Man! It's the Rocketeer! Gentlemen, you're up. Welcome to Comics Monthly Monday, number 59-er. Yes. 59, dude! (laughs) I'm Chris Honeywell, and I'm just an old minor 59-er. As you hear, all warmed up, lubed up from recording another podcast just before this one are my co-hosts, Scott Gardner and Michael Bailey. And if you're wondering what podcast it is, and you're like, you're like, hey, it's Scott and Mike. Yes, it's the podcast you're thinking of. Hello, and thank you for calling the Tales of the Justice Society of America 24-hour live human being customer service hotline. Hello, I... Unfortunately, all uh, of our representatives are sleeping. Or, busy. Uh, busy. All of our representatives are busy right now. But if you stay on the line, your call will be answered in reverse Hungarian alphabetical order, starting with the letter... D. Okay. Your call is very important to us. Please stay on the line. All right. We are experiencing longer than usual wait times. Your call will be answered in... 94. Minutes. Please continue to hold. Your call is extremely important to us. Please stand uh, Check us out on the web at www.2truefreaks.com. Your call is ridiculously important to us. Yeah, my call's so important, then why don't you answer it? What the f*** is taking so long? You may be asking yourself, what the f*** is taking so long? Um, We'll be with you shortly. Please continue to hold. Answer. Answer the goddamn... (laughs) Let me check, is he still there? Ah! Guys, he's still holding! Oh, Jesus. We're sorry for your wait. Please continue to hold. Uh, God damn it! 
Tales of the Justice Society of America returns soon with brand new episodes. Stay tuned. Sweet. I was just going to ask you. Are, yeah, are we ready to? Are we ready to make that announcement yet? Um. Yeah. Go ahead. I think you just did. <laughs> I think we just did too. <laughs> All right. If they don't know what we're talking about, screw them. So, <laughs> are we ready to just dive? It's been our policy at Two True Freaks. There you go. <laughs> and, and, and as a show that needs no introduction, doesn't get one. Yes, exactly. <laughs> are we ready to just dive straight into this? I am Why not. Why, that's... That's why we're here. All right. Since none of us really have anything super titillating, super exciting, whatever for... Yeah, essentially, yeah. In the world of new funny books or new funny book business, we instead have elected to cover... uh, We're getting a nice little stack of feedback here, and I really appreciate that, so I want to make sure it gets covered. So I'm going to dig right in. Hey, before we do that, I have one thing just to pick on you. I just I just ordered uh, the Fumetti of the John Byrne Star Trek. Ooh, so that should be coming in the mail. So I'm getting the comic. Sweet. But we'll talk about that more on that other the podcast. It's more apropos of that. Okay. But well, I just thought I'd rub that in. This very first email here is uh, actually we we had an email and it wasn't this show. Uh, let me see what was it? Star Trek Monthly Monday. We had a, 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 an email saying essentially. Um, I'm writing to you guys to let you guys know that uh, you're saying you don't get feedback, but I know that I wrote to you kind of thing. So I got to digging back through the uh, mailbag, and sure enough, I think I missed a couple. This one is one I think I missed, so I'm going to go ahead and read it here. This is going back a couple of episodes. This is, uh, The header on here is, is uh, episode 381, Comics Monthly Monday number 56, which was a couple episodes back. Says hi guys, great show as always. It was great to hear Scott and Mike together again. Seems like forever. I truly missed everybody's favorite getting Chris to read a comic. I'm Die. sure he make up for it as only he can. I'm one of the unfortunate ones that doesn't have a local comic shop. Sucks. Wow. There is one about forty miles away. Jesus Christ! He says. That used to be for us in Syracuse, yeah, man. Fact. Actually, you know what? You're right. That is right. Just, but there's no way I could get there every week. I have developed a practice in the last couple of years. Uh, whenever the wife and I take a trip out of town or state, I Google the area we are going to to see if there are comic shops in the area. Dude, I've been doing that for you. Every time I go somewhere, that's the first thing. Hey, where's the local comic shop? I can smell it. Uh, he continues to so There's a reason for that. <laughs> I am pretty much an eBay or mycomicshop.com uh, comic buyer. Your Freaky Five was a hard one. I was trying to remember what it was. He says here, I don't know if it counts uh, since they were probably canceled because of the quote-unquote original reboot, but I was pretty bummed when DC Comics Presents and Brave and the Bold were discontinued. What was that Freaky Five? Was it? Is that what it was? Like, Things you were most disappointed when the series ended or something like that? Early or something or ended too early, I think. Yeah, that that was it. 
Uh, guess that's all for now. Keep up the great work. And that's from Russell Bragg in Clarksburg, West Virginia. That doesn't have a comic shop within 40 damn miles. Of it. Oh, that sucks, dude. Been there, done that. Moved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Next up, we have one from uh, our good friend Luke Giaconetti. And uh, this is entitled Comics Monthly Monday number 58. So this is last episode. He said, fellas. Just wanted to say that I really enjoyed the episode. I thought the Freaky Five about deaths made a uh, perfect companion piece to covering the Doom Patrol gets blowed up real good issue. Like you guys, uh, I have read so much about that particular issue that I don't know that I want to read the actual story. Don't, dude. Don't. Because it, was, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't very good. No. Doom Patrol is one of those, uh, one day I'm going to read this books for me which I might get to at some point before I die. I did want to recommend that Chris check out the Keith Giffen slash Matthew Clark Doom Patrol, which started in 2009 and ran for 22 issues. What the hell series is that? See, I don't, it might be, I, I'm getting the idea because I, um, I read the original Doom Patrol in a collected edition. Uh that Kelly Logue sent me, but he also has a bunch of trades, but they're all the Grant Morrison ones. Right. But I don't think those start at number one. They're like, no, you know, no, comics, blah, blah, blah. So it might be, it might be that same doom patrol. I don't, after that run of that. I don't think so. Cause it, he says here, it says started in 2009, ran for 22 issues. I'm thinking this is even post that oh. burn one. Right. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. What year was oh, that, Mike? The, the the John Byrne Doom the Patrol. The Byrne one was like 2005. I, yeah, yeah so that's what I was 2005. So damn, they've had another series since then. Wow, I I'm, believe I don't know if it was a backup because I remember it being yeah because the Metalman was the backup for Doom Patrol. Uh, so okay. I'm heading over to uh, Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics. I completely missed uh, that. He does say here that one issue crossed over with Secret Six, which I don't remember that either. So, wow, this Secret this... Six was a good title. It was it was basically oh, a continuation of uh, Villains United. So that yeah. was awesome. Yeah, there was a Doom Patrol series from 2009 to 2011. Uh, the creative team on that was. He says here first Giffen and Matthew Clark, but I don't I don't recognize Ooh, Matthew Clark. That's a that's that. a good combo right there. What else did Matthew Clark or what else, what else has he done? What he else drew the first couple issues of Greg Rucka's Superman run, and it was amazing. In uh, what was that in? Was that in Adventures? Was in Superman Adventures. Yeah, he did think. Adventures of Superman. Is that the one where Lois Lane gets shot? Yes. Okay, yeah, all right. I know who you're talking Yeah, I liked his art. I just didn't recognize the name. Okay, yeah, all right. Uh, let's see here. He says, unlike the Burn Doom Patrol book, uh, it stars the original crew of Robot Man, Elastigirl, Negative Man, and The Chief, although later characters do figure in as well. It was the first Doom Patrol uh, I had read, and Giffen does a great job of addressing the more bizarre aspect of their adventures. He also delves into the fatalistic nature of the characters as well, which is just fascinating and quite uh, and often quite funny. The first seven issues also featured uh, a very humorous backup uh, strip featuring the Metal Men, which is a hoot. 
Check it out. You may enjoy the series. Yeah, I, I might have to if I can find that on the cheap and back issues. I will check that out because and you look for trades too. Because I'm sure I'm pretty sure there was one. Right. And that might be cheaper for you. Cool. Uh, says also Scott. You had asked a question about Elastigirl's name and the Incredibles. The story I have always heard was that Pixar received permission to use the name in the film, but not in the merchandising, which is why she's referred to as Mrs. Incredible. I don't know how accurate that is because my kids have an incredible storybook, which clearly calls her Elastigirl, but it seems that some deal was worked out between the two companies. Thanks for the show. And again, that's from Luke Giaconetti. Thank you very much, Luke. I appreciate that. Next up. Episode 393, Comics Monthly Number... Uh, yeah, I can't talk. Comics Monthly Monday, number 58. Again, that was last episode. Hi, guys. Great show as always. Yeah, I think he starts every email exactly the same way. That's good. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for letting me be a part of your shorts. Uh, be a part of your show, sort of. Shorts? What? By, be a part of your shorts by using my <laughs> Freaky Five suggestion. That was cool, and it really turned into a great conversation between the three of you. I can pretty much only think of a few comic deaths. That was the uh, the subject last time around with the comic deaths that uh, freaked us out the most. I remember Jason Todd's. I wasn't following Batman, so it didn't affect me much. Did any of you call the number to vote or know of anyone who did? I did. What about I you? I did not. You did not? I did not. I did not know about it until after the fact. I think that's so. the same with me. Yep, I, and actually, I doubt I doubt my parents would have let me call a nine hundred number. I actually did. I, I actually did. I called in once. Uh, I got my parents' permission. They let me call one time for it, and I have had guilt about it all these years. I think that's actually secretly <laughs> one of the twenty. Why were you asking your parents' permission? What year was that? That was nineteen eighty-eight, dude. Was it eighty-eight? Okay, no, yes. I no, I was. Uh, where was? Where the hell would I have been? Sure. Well, what month was that that happened? Yeah, I must have been in the service by that point. But yes, I know I called in on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's another one of the reasons why I wasn't too bothered when he came back from the dead because I'd always felt really guilty that I'd contributed in some small way to his demise. Oh, so you voted for him to die. For him to die, yeah. <laughs> well, of course, you know. <laughs> the writers and such... Uh, might have wanted to kill him off and have the readers blamed for it. I guess I'm cynical, he says. No, I mean, I think that's actually a valid theory. I think they kind of did want to get rid of him. Uh, anyway, I sort of remember Alice, uh, Iris Allen's death. A death. Ugh, Jesus Christ, I can't talk tonight. I sort of remember Iris Allen's death. Yeah, yeah, Was there much of an uproar over her death? See, I don't, I, I don't remember when it actually happened, but I have the issue where it happened, and I've heard over the years that at the time, I guess that was really shocking. But yeah, I, I could I could see that. I mean, it was a great story too. Yeah, I mean, that, that started off a great run of Flash, which is kind of sad when you think about it. I don't have a whole lot of Barry Allen Flash, but that is an issue that uh, that I actually I, I've owned as long as I can remember is the issue where she gets killed. Uh, let's see, Barry Allen came back eventually, so I don't count him, but the quote-unquote real Supergirl, Kara Zor-El, and the quote-unquote real Superboy, who grew up to be Superman, I do count. The uh, characters came back, but not the ones... You know, how the hell did I miss the death of Superboy? 
that one affected me a lot, and I never even thought about that. But yeah, the death of Superboy in uh, in the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, that that's a great issue. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, he says I do count those. He says the characters came back, but not the ones I liked. I would uh, add them to my personal freaky five. I know next to nothing about the Doom Patrol. Probably a character here and there, but that's it. But a good synopsis by Chris. Better mm-hmm. stop for now. Hope all is well with you guys, and thanks for keeping me entertained at work. Bonus point. Yes. Even Woo-hoo! though I was at home when I listened this time. <laughs> and again, that's from Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia. All I, hope right. he's, uh, I hope he's doing okay. 40 miles from the nearest comic shop. <laughs> I, uh, I was wonder- I'm wondering if he was one of the people affected in that nine-county chemical spill. Oh, I didn't hear about this. I'm sitting without comics and my water tastes like slop. <laughs> I'm getting a song right now. There you go. <laughs> yes, I'm a nerd uh, in West Virginia. I hope he is. Yeah, it's a, it's a tragic tale that, that speaks to the heart of those people. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> oh, lordy. All right, so we have one last email here titled Not Spam, Comics Monthly Monday. Number <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. This one is uh, starts out says, Hey, guys, love the show. My top five comic book deaths that bothered me in no particular order. And his number one made me feel like a complete and utter freaking moron when I read it because I was like, holy shit, how did I miss that? Number one, Will Payton, Starman. Oh. oh, how the hell did I not think of that? Because yes, that pissed me off when they because he was killed off so unceremoniously, right? Anyway, yeah. In my opinion, uh, this is uh, continuing his letter. In my opinion, killed off panel for the sake of a writer's need to name his character Starman. Now I don't know that I necessarily agree with that reasoning, but I will agree with you. Yes, killed off panel. What the hell was that? Because he was a really good character. And yeah, that, that pissed me off. I, I can't believe I forgot that. Uh, number two, Iris Allen, back in the 70s. I had just started reading The Flash, and this happened within 10 issues. My first comic book death. Number three, all right, this one's... I, I'm just going to have to read this one quickly and get past it. All the Crisis on Infinite Earth's deaths. <sighs> I'll lump into one as they all... Now, he wrote Gripped Me... I'm wondering if he means griped me. Griped me, gripped me, I'm not sure, but that's what he wrote. It was gripped me. The whole run from Supergirl to The Flash was a real bummer. Dude, you're killing me. Number four, The Scourge. I was really enjoying his spree. See, I like The Scourge, and I like those little vignettes we would get with The Scourge, but it got so complicated, I don't even... Who the hell was he by the end of the thing? Was it ever really confirmed or wrapped up or resolved or i i kind of just lost track of the whole thing but i know who you're talking about uh number five the original karate uh karate kid in legion of superheroes Ooh. i don't remember that oh that was that's what kicked off the baxter series the death of karate kid yeah it was like the first storyline nemesis kid killed him Somebody, this this is for Shag because uh, they, they were talking about Nemesis Kid in a recent Who's Who podcast. Put him in a body bag, Nemesis Kid. <laughs> I 
I guess I don't remember it because I always thought Karate Kid was shit. So I honest, I don't. <laughs> no, it was this great story. It's this, it's a brutal fight. I mean, basically, Nemesis Kid beats him to death. You know, I for for many 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 years I have thought to myself, you know, I am so far overdue for a total reread of of the classic Keith Giffen Justice League we do a podcast Justice League, but yeah. Legion of Super Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, I would like to reread because it, it's been. I mean, honestly, I don't think I've reread it more than maybe one time since it was actually coming out new on the stand. So I'm really rusty on that stuff. But uh, damn, I can't. I don't remember that at all. I'm. So I'm. I have no memory of that, and I know I must have read it because I have the entire run of that stuff. Anyway, he says here, killed basically as a shot at Jim Shooter. Is that true? I have no idea about that. I, uh, as we were discussing, uh, either on a show or privately or whatever, it was like an hour ago, uh, I'm really less and less interested in the behind-the-scenes right, genetics yeah. of comic books because, frankly, I just want to read the stories and judge them based on artistically how are they and how they make me feel rather than i i mean there is a fair point that if you read like a story that's just like what the huh and then you find out that there was like back backroom shenanigans then you're like <laughs> suddenly i feel like quoting super troopers and shenanigans but um Hey, Farva, what's that place you like to eat with the cheese sticks and all the shit on the wall shenanigans oh <laughs> so uh um you know, and, and that at least explains a bad story. But the 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 dark side of that is you're like, oh, those two hated each other, right? And yeah. he drew that entire story just as a giant middle finger to somebody else, and it's just like, dude, I just want to read the story. Yeah, I don't, I don't need to know that. I, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, he continues here regarding Jason Todd. He said, I hated that kid. I paid good money on the 900 line to rub him out. Now they bring him back. I deserve a refund with interest. You know, that raises an interesting point. If you paid for that and you voted to kill him and they killed him and then they resurrect him, are you due a refund? Class action lawsuit, baby. Yeah, there you go. We should all get together. Some other notables, though. He said, Reed and Sue's second child. Burns' shrunken panel at the end of the issue where Reed finds out that the child has passed. Very affecting. Yeah, that's a punch. Oh, that man. That's a good hit. Yeah. And just the way it's framed. Mm-hmm. And the way it just, you know, because you have that, that story. It's this epic fight with Mr. Fantastic and Dr. Octopus. Mm-hmm. And it's like normal superhero fun, and you know, like they're fighting, and there's there, there's drama on the line, and then it's just like you know, the baby didn't survive. I was just like, it was 1995. I was living in this apartment. I was reading through my Fantastic Four run for the first time, and I got to that point, and I actually cried. Yeah, that's because it was that book. emotional. Yeah, it is. That's a really really good issue. Uh, Sticks death in Daredevil. Says I wanted more from this character, and Miller wiped him out real quick. Yep. Gene even knew you. <laughs> Says Gene DeWolf. I was starting to think that comic book writers really hated women back then. 
And he says, now killing a character knowing they are going to come back is to me just too stupid. I only see it as a cash grab, like Superman and Cap. Ooh, you know, I don't. With, oh, with Superman, you're, you're, I don't know that I would agree with Super because I don't know that they no. thought that that was going to be successful at all. I think no, they were just they didn't want it. No, they 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 planned it as a story. Just you know, they they were going to marry them. They couldn't marry them because of Lois and Clark or whatever the show was going to be called at that point. And they had to come up with a new thing. At every Superman summit, Jerry Ordway would jokingly say, "Well, let's just kill him." You know, when they couldn't come up with a good idea. And as John Bogdanovich says, you know, at that point, we were just angry and ornery enough to go, yeah, mm-hmm. let's kill him. Because the story, you know, Superman's death, this is a hot button issue for me. And I do apologize because I'm about to get on a soapbox. Look, you know, you can sit there and make your little pot shot jokes about how, oh, DC just wanted to make money off of Superman's death and all that. What you're doing is ignoring the fact that, yes, they killed Superman. But one they didn't want the media attention. In fact, when that story ran in Newsday, which was a Long Island newspaper, DC tried to get them to not run the story because they didn't want, because the story, the issue wasn't going to come out till November. The newspaper story was running in early September. They didn't want people going to the comic shop expecting to find the death of Superman. And in fact, and there they find a story where Superman's talking about, you know, spousal abuse because that was during the crisis at hand story. So they tried to get it and they basically, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to deal with it. And it was basically like, you know, you know, catching the, catching the dragon after it's escaped. And it was only after the big media hubbub where it made international headlines that they tried to kind of like, you know, ride the wave, you know, and, and, and not get in its way. But the real story of the death of Superman isn't his death. It's how the world reacted to it. And the fact that they dealt with the ramifications of how these heroes feel and then told a really kick-ass story to bring him back. So I, I say boo on the death of Superman bashing. And I will go back to my room now. <laughs> He concludes, he continues here, he says, that is part of why I don't buy much these days. I'm going to skip to the end of the letter here so we know who it's from. He says, keep recording and I'll keep listening. And thanks, this is from Brian Hughes. Now, he did have one other part of his letter here. He says, now the top five I want to hear. So, based on this request, this is our Freaky Five for this month. Freaky Five is, what are the top five books you could have bought off the stands when they came out, but didn't, and now you regret it? So who wants to run first on this one? I'll go. Go ahead. I don't know. Some of these don't strictly fall into and now I regret it, Mm -hmm. because I have some of, I've gotten some of them, but... Anyway, number five would be pretty much any Micronauts comics. When those came out, I wish I would have gotten those. Um, number four was uh, Star Wars number one. Oh, yeah. Which I, I got, like, I think the first Star Wars comic I got was number six. And then I got one of those three packs 
with four, five, and six in it. Right. And then I think I got the three post Star Wars ones. And then it took me a couple years of trading and wheedling and, you know, scratching around before somebody finally traded me a Star Wars number one. But uh, there was a lot of, and it was beat to shit. Um, That's an official CGC grade now. Scott and I, BTS, whipped to shit is uh, is, is oh BTS. I like that even better. Uh, Number three was um, Why the Last Man. Number one, I got I got that whole run from number two, and then I had to buy the trade to read number one. Um, and this was another one, and number two is another one that caused me a lot of anguish as a kid. Was uh, Daredevil one eighty one? I remember where that. Dies, and yeah, I remember uh, that. and it immediately became very expensive. You know, I think it was like five dollars or something, which was you know, I don't even know if I was getting five dollars allowance that at that at that time. So I had yeah that took that took me a couple years to get and when I did I've still got the Mile High Comics it's I it's not really a catalog it was just like a flyer that I I ordered that from I remember you and I sitting in the solar house and going over it and like looking for comics that we wanted to buy and like very excited that we could actually order comics that we would never see Carthage, New York. And number one, I had it in my goddamn hands. Flipped through it. I, I, I probably had my paycheck in my pocket, and that was Walking Dead number one. Looked at it, consciously said, no. Nah. And now, like, I could buy a car with it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Pretty exactly. much. I'm going to have a nice vacation with that. Don't you feel like a dumbass? Yes. That's a, I think that's <laughs> going to be the theme of this Freaky Five this month. <laughs> that You know, that would be a great segment for any podcast. Don't you feel like a dumbass? <laughs> it should be a game show. Do you feel like a dumbass? Don't you wish you were one? It's like, it's like the uh, don't you wish you used dial? Don't you wish everybody did? <laughs> who wants to marry a dumbass? There you go. It's like who you know who's smarter than a fifth grader or whatever it could be. <laughs> Are you smarter than a dumbass? Are you smarter than a complete dumbass? <laughs> Maybe that should be episode 500. There you go. I like that idea. Mike? Okay, this is a weird one because there have been very, very few times where I've had the opportunity to buy a comic and just passed on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I always took the opportunity as you were alive and knew of a place where you could buy comics and were buying comics. Right. Um, that's how that's how I did it for myself. So, so that's that, that that's kind of how I did it too, except for number one, which is a sad tale of woe that I think needs to be scored by John Williams or something. But um, so number five uh, is actually one of Chris's, which is Walking Dead number one. And the only reason I wish I had bought that is that uh, that I could sell it now because is I I'm less attached to comics. 
and if I could make a crap load of money off of a book at this point, it would have been nice. And I remember seeing it on the stands, but I was just like a zombie comic. Yeah, whatever. I'm going to go over here and read Black Adam. Yeah, hmm. I'd just gotten burned on like a couple zombie comics a month before that were really crappy. So I wasn't about to take the risk. <laughs> um, one book that I wish that I would have bought when it came out, instead of having to track it down later, was the first two parts of Death in the Family from Batman. Uh, I got the third part because that one was readily available uh, after the news broke of the death of Robin. But I, 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 you know, part of me feels like I wish I would have been paying attention a little closer and buying Batman because I had bought like the issue or two before that. Uh, where there's this really great story where Jason, you know, it's basically implied that Jason killed somebody, uh, which I, I had art by Mark Bright. Really, really good story. Number three, Amazing Spider-Man number 300. I wish I would have bought 10 copies <laughs> and then sat on it until 2007 mm-hmm. when you could start selling it on eBay for like $100 a piece. Good God. I won't, I won't Why is that you. book still worth a lot of money? I won't tell you then about the multiple copies I did have. <laughs> oh, I know, and I, and I remember you bought that cheap thing from the from the flea market or the, yep. the garage sale, and, and it had one at the bottom of the box. Yep. Oh um, well, yeah, took it straight to the bank, baby. <laughs> number, <laughs> laughing number all the way. Yep. <laughs> number two, uh, I I kind of wish I would have bought GI Joe number one when it came out. But I really, comics really weren't on my radar in like 1982, 1983. But, you know, I bought Transformers number one when it hit the stands. And I remember really enjoying that when I was like, you know, eight when it came out. But it would have been kind of cool to get into G.I. Joe on the ground floor, you know, and maybe have that be my introduction to comics. But number one. Okay. We're going to do a, we're going to do a Golden Girls thing here. You know, a Sophia story. Picture it. Mountaintop, Pennsylvania, 1986. I'm 10 years old. I'm very short. I'm very skinny, which is kind of funny to think about. And I got terrible overbite. And I'm, like, buying comics every once in a while. I tried to start collecting comics earlier that summer with Masters of the Universe, the Star comic. And I got to the fourth issue and then just stopped. And I was at this farmer's market with my dad. And there was a comic rack there. Because at that point, comic racks were freaking everywhere. You know, there was one at the drugstore. There was one at the, 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 the other drugstore near the grocery store. There was one at the farmer's market. You know, you could find comics in readily accessible areas. And sitting there, I'm looking through the books, and I see this Superman book. Now remember, this is the summer of 1986. See this Superman book. And I leaf through it. And I go, oh, they're just retelling the origin. So I put Man of Steel number one back on the shelf. And I go, ooh, Transformers number 21. That's the Aerial Bots introduction to the comics. And I get that <laughs> instead. Wah, 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 wah. A year later, I'd be collecting the Superman books. <laughs> but I kind of wonder what would have happened if I had bought that then, you know, because I knew nothing of what was going on in Superman. I would, my ear wasn't even like halfway to the ground of what was going on in comics. 
I remember vaguely seeing something about Superman getting changed, but, you know, my 10-year-old mind didn't process that. I was more concerned with G.I. Joe and Transformers at the time. <laughs> and I kind of wonder if, if, if that's what would have... St- you know, since John Byrne is what got me to read Superman and thus start collecting Superman and thus do this podcast, there's a couple steps in between there, but you, you get the idea. Would I have been able, would I have gotten into it on the ground floor, basically, and discovered it earlier? I mean, things play out the way they're going to play out, but when you said this was the subject of the Freaky Five, I was like, I got a story for you. (laughs) And that's it. I had an absolute bitch of a time with this. This this may very likely be the toughest Freaky Five for me personally that we've ever had because, much like you, Mike, I, I mean, if I ever had the opportunity to buy something off the stands, I pretty much bought it. I mean, if it looked like it was of interest to me, I just went ahead and bought it. And so I, I'm serious. I, I, I've spent every moment since this email came in really racking my brains and pouring through my collection going, what the hell don't I have? Because that was my criteria for this is that I I regret it because, you know, because what he says here is could have bought it off the stands, didn't and now regret. So I took that to mean I never got it. So there were plenty of things that I missed, but then I have since tracked them down. So I discounted those. If I've got them today, then I don't regret it, right? Because I I own them. That being the case, there are very few back issues at this point that I'm still really jonesing for that I had originally had an opportunity to buy off the stands that I know for a fact that I had an opportunity. So you know, while I would have liked to have put something like, say, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one, for example, on my list, I don't know that I ever had an opportunity to actually buy. I don't remember actually seeing that book on the stands. So I felt like that would be a cheat. So that being the case, I'm like, shit, I have no idea what to put on this list. So basically what I did was I poured through my my modern-day want lists for things that I know I had the opportunity, I just didn't. I just never pulled the trigger at the time, and and now I'm like working to fill in gaps or whatever. So, with that criteria, here's my list for for good or bad. Number five, I just I'm just gonna make a blanket statement of tie-in comics because I bought like the first twelve issues of GI Joe, and then I stopped. I sold them to Chris's aunt. And that was it. And I've always kind of regretted that in the sense of everybody else holds that and like Transformers up on such a high pedestal. I mean, so many people have the same nostalgic feelings about those two series as like Chris and I do about Marvel Star Wars. That even though I was kind of too old to be buying those books at that time, and that's why I didn't. I kind of wish that I had anyway, just that maybe I would have those nostalgic feelings that other people do about those titles. I don't because I didn't read them. I'm I'm glad you said that because I was I was going to sort of say that after Michael's Freaky Five, it's like, oh, I did buy GI Joe number one, but I yep. remember being kind of like, eh, yeah, whatever, get it because it's number one on yeah. Baxter. And, and, <laughs> and, and and I'm just gonna interject one point is that I, I think that is your that is the generation gap between oh, yeah. you guys and me. Absolutely. And and well, it, it's not I'm not saying you guys are dismissive or insulting to the material, but I don't think the only way I can explain 
the love I had for G.I. Joe is to look at you and go, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And basically, that's what we were playing on the on the uh, playground because we weren't, uh, you know, Star Wars was pretty much over by the time I was in grade school. Right. You know, I it was it was uh, the end of first grade when Return of the Jedi came out, and right. at that point, you know, people may not be able to really wrap their heads around this, but at that point. When something was done, it was kind of done. I mean, you would right. get excited if Star Wars came on TV, but at the same time, you know, it, you you really didn't care. You know, it, it wasn't what was in front of you was what you were paying attention to. It was something and the we, older kids were into, right? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I I hear you guys talking about Star Wars, and I'm like, well, man, you know, I love Star Wars. Don't get me wrong. But I wish I could have that love that you guys have for it. But I'm like, but but I got GI Joe, so it's okay, right? And see, I wish you know, and, and just the opposite. I wish I had those feelings about GI Joe and and Transformers, and, and I don't. It just it was a phenomenon that just passed me by. Say la vie, man. And and it's funny because we both sold all our GI Joe comics to my, you know, to my well, you sold them to my. They were all going to my cousin. Right, was younger, you know, a bit younger than us. Right, so he was all over. He it. was totally yeah. into it. Yeah. Whereas for me, it was like, if I didn't realize that there was a monetary value attached to them, I may well have continued to collect them. But as soon as I heard, hey, you know that that series is actually climbing in price, and then I knew your aunt was looking to buy, that was it. I sold the twelve that I had, and I never bought another issue, and. You know, like I say, in a weird kind of way, I came to regret it only in the sense of while I wasn't exactly thrilled by it, it does sound like it got exciting. It does sound like there was some good stuff in there. And so many people have nostalgic feelings for it. I just kind of feel like that was a a, a boat that passed me by, you know, and yeah, I've kind of regretted it. To be very fair about G.I. Joe as a title, some people may disagree with me about this, but I I, uh. I kind of hold to this theory. While the first year or so of that book is good and eminently entertaining, it was really about issue 25, 26, or 21, which was the silent issue. Silent issue, yeah. But especially right after that, when you kind of got into the origin of Snake Eyes and they had that two-parter in 26 and 27... That is, to me, where Hama kind of started firing on all cylinders. And it started being a series that, and Luke Giaconetti is screaming at me right now, probably. But it it really, to me, it became a series that started building on itself more. It's not that it didn't build on itself before, because you would have, like, well, who is Destro? Here is Destro. Who is Zartan? Here is Zartan. But just you know, the, the kind of building mythology of the, of the series started really started in the twenties to me. See, I don't have any individual issues on my entire list, but that one that you just mentioned, GI Joe number 21, I had that in my hands off the rack. So I'll put that on my list as a, as number five, if, if, you know, if I need an individual issue, cause I had it, you know, like I say, I picked it up, I thumbed through it, put it back. I didn't actually buy it. Uh, let's see, moving along here, something else I didn't buy at the time it was coming out because I didn't like the art. 
and then eventually have come to regret because, you know, ever since I've been chasing back issues, trying to fill in and have the complete run is uh, Miller's Daredevil. I have most of it, but I never did get every single issue. And I had the opportunity because I remember Chris was buying them off the stands at the time. And I would thumb through his copies, and it did look intriguing, but I just couldn't get past the R. I just, I'm still not the biggest Miller fan in the world. I've come to appreciate it for what it is. But at that time, I just looked at the art and was like, man, this art is really bad. And I just was never able to get past it. Crazy. Yeah. I just couldn't, I could never pull the trigger on making the purchase. Um, along that same line, this one I have regretted forever. Although, thankfully, I think I'm within like two or three issues of finally filling in the gap. But if you guys are longtime uh, Two True Freaks listeners, and especially if you've been listening to Comics Monthly Monday for a long time, you know that Chris and I used to cover Swamp Thing. The second mm-hmm. series, Saga of the Swamp Thing, when it came back. And ironically, when I was collecting that book, because I was so excited when Swamp Thing came back, because I was a huge fan of the original series of Swamp Thing. And then that got canceled at issue like 24 or something. And then it went away for a few years. And he appeared here and there around the DC Universe from time to time. But then in 1980, I think it was 1982. He came back and he got his own series. It's called Saga the Swamp Thing. I was so excited. And I bought it and I read it and I kept up with it. And then it finally got to a point right around issue, I'm guessing like issue like 17, 18. It just got so bad that I was like, screw this. And I stopped buying it because it just wasn't any good anymore. And of course, that's right at the goddamn time that Alan Moore breezed into town and made that book one of the most phenomenal reads of the 1980s. And to this very day, I'm still trying to track down the earliest Alan Moore issues to fill in my gap. Because I didn't come back to the book until issue, damn, it was way down the line. It was like issue 40 or something like that. So there was a huge gap in there of where I just, I, I wasn't collecting it. And I missed all those issues. Now, thankfully, I've since gotten the really expensive issues or I don't even know if they're expensive anymore, but they were for years, they were very expensive, like uh, the anatomy lesson. And I've got those, but there's still, you know, scattershot here and there. There's like two or three issues. I still lack to get them all. And, uh, and I know I could have bought them. I remember seeing them. I just, you know, no interest. It it just, I I had lost, uh, you know, thanks to Marty Pascal. I just lost interest in the book. It just wasn't very good. Uh, along those same lines at the time. And the funny thing is we covered all those comics on yep, <laughs> Comics Monday Monday, and then we stopped doing it when we hit Alan Moore. We hit Alan Moore, did the anatomy lesson, and we never did another issue. God, I'd love to go back and pick and that I, up at some and point. And I remember I was just like, hey, we're going we're gonna to be doing the burn stuff and the Swamp Thing stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I'm coming on to Comics Monthly Monday <laughs> just at the right time. <laughs> Assholes. <laughs> Hey, I'm always willing to pick it back up if you guys ever want to. So we'll see what the we'll see what the listeners say about that. All right, number two, I've come to really regret this. I know I probably could have bought them all off the stands at the time because I'm pretty sure I remember seeing these on the stands at the time. But as a uh, young man, there's no way in the world I'd have been caught dead buying Wonder Woman off the shelf. So I didn't buy any of them. 
And to this day, I'm still chasing, and I can't remember who the writer was. I, I want to say Jerry Conway. I'm not positive. But the artist was Gene Colan. I want the Gene Colan issues of Wonder Woman from the early 80s. And uh, like I say, still chasing them to this day. And I don't know what it is. Now, of course, I'm just looking purely on eBay for them. But just based off the eBay prices, they are goddamn ridiculously high priced. I can't seem to ever find a, a you know get a, a real good break on these. They're just I don't know if it was because the print run was low or what, but they're just way too expensive. So I, I have huge gaps in that. But one of these days, I want to fill that collection in because uh, I really liked his take on the artist. But again, when I was a kid, I didn't really appreciate. Uh, Gene Colan's art style really didn't like it, and like I say, I, I just there's no way as a teenager I was buying Wonder Woman. That it wasn't was until the happen. Phantom Zone, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Phantom Zone really turned my opinion around of uh, of Gene Colan, and that's one of the reasons I want this specific run of Colan because that's what he was working on at the same time that he did the Phantom Zone miniseries. Because there's a great moment in Phantom Zone with Wonder Woman fighting one of the Phantom Zone villains that I always really loved. And uh, and I don't even think I realized at the time that he was the artist on her <clears throat> book. I, I think I learned about it later. And so that's one of the reasons I want to go back and track all that stuff down. I just, I like that era of Gene Colan a lot. And I liked his take on Wonder Woman too. Lastly, again, along the same lines of just, you know, I knew it was there and just, didn't pay any attention to it, had no interest, but I probably could have bought the whole damn run. And now, to this day, I'm still chasing him. My number one, John Burns X-Men. I remember it being there. I remember being aware of it. I think I may have even thumbed through some issues, but just didn't really, I, I just didn't have any interest. I never liked the X-Men. And I didn't discover, you know, it's funny, you know, everybody else is thing with John Byrne is the X-Men. That's what everybody remembers him for. It's arguably one of the most famous things he ever did. For me, John Byrne starts with Fantastic Four. But I had the opportunity, and I, I just let it breeze past me, and damn it, you know, to this day, I'm still trying to fill in my collection of John Byrne X-Men, and those damn things are really expensive. So I probably never will finish it. And, uh, yeah, I regret it, because I, I could have bought them brand new as they were coming out, but just didn't. Those were my summer job that one year when I got all those, and I put them on consignment at that at that store in Watertown. Oh, I don't remember that. You did? You sold them? Well, Mike Cross used to clean house for the Blake family. Right. And- um, their son Adam had like all these comics and Mike was over there and he knew Adam and he was just like do you want these comics anymore? And he's like no and no why? And he's like I know somebody who'd you know, buy them for me and I can't remember. It was like five bucks. He's like I don't know give me five bucks or something like that and Mike was like I got a box of comics for you you know <laughs> and it was it was basically the full run of the John Byrne X-Men. Hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. That was that was one of my first experiences with being like, holy shit. <laughs> I mean, I, I I would literally every 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 week I would go into Watertown and to see how much money I had, and the guy would be like, hey, check this out, and he'd hand me like fifty or sixty bucks, which was pretty uh, pretty awesome in those days. What's funny is uh, when I was in the service, I used to go to Ravenswood Comic Shop. 
that they had in uh, in Utica. And I used to have to drive from Rome to Utica, which I forget how far it was, but it was, it was a good hike to go mm-hmm. there. They ended up opening up a satellite store in Rome that they called Ravenswood 2, but it was T-O-O instead of T-W-O. I just thought that was cool. Anyway, uh, so I'd go in. I was constantly haunting that place. I was just always in there all the time, you know, because it was just one of those cool comic shops where you could just go and hang out, you know. And I was in there one day, and this kid came in with his mom, giant friggin' box of comics. I mean, just a ton of shit in there. And I remember catching sight of a comic that I'm trying to remember who did the cover on it. I want to say it was Dave Cockrum. And I remember thinking, damn, that's a John Byrne X-Men. And I waited to see if the proprietor was going to make him an offer on it or not. Because typically, he, you know, if people brought comics in, you know, he, he'd really try to talk him down. And he'd usually talk him into letting it go. And for whatever reason, he just showed no interest in that box of comics at all. So the kid was leaving all disheartened and everything. So, of course, I beat feet out of the store after him, catch him out in the parking lot. And I offered him, I think, like 50 bucks. Got the whole box and everything. Was so excited. Got it home. And it was a run of X-Men from the first post-burn issue oh. all the way to the current issue, whatever it was. And that was the beginning of my interest in X-Men because you know by that point I'd already made the purchase, so I started reading them and everything. And, it's still uh, a pretty good deal. Oh, yeah, it was, a, it was a hell of a good deal, and I've still got them all today. But at the time I was like, damn it. You know, it was like... I think that was actually the first comic deal I ever made where my my ignorance sabotaged me because I just wasn't as familiar with the material as I should have been and made the assumption based off that one comic that, ooh, this is Burn X-Men, and it wasn't. It was like the one of the very first issues right after whatever the next one was after Kitty Pride, I forget. I think that's a Cockrum cover, if I'm not mistaken. It's like... I think it's got Magneto on it by Cockrum, if I'm not there was mistaken. A lot, yeah, there was a lot of good stuff. Oh, it's, I mean, like up. I said, it's, it's it's solid comics. I was just disappointed because I specifically wanted The Burn. Yeah. Because that yeah. was at the time when, when I was just, you know, that super obsessed with John Burn. Oh, yeah, it's great stuff. I mean, So then, just just, just then, not, not like you're still not super obsessed with John Byrne? Not like, I mean, not like I was. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm just. Ki- I'm just giving you shit. I, I still love the guy, but back then it was like you know he could he could do the barest little, you know, he could pencil a character on, you know, in, in like a group shot in some <laughs> anthology book or something. I'd pick it up, you know, and I, I bought everything. I mean, you know, just for covers that he did or some issues, like when he just like wrote a story, like he wrote that. God, what was that stupid book? Super Boxers or whatever. I don't even think I've ever read the damn thing. But I bought it because he wrote it. So I, I was. I was huge into Burn. And I mean, tra- you know, even going and, and backtracking all the way back to like his earliest stuff, like Wheelie and the Chopper Bunch and Space 1999 and all that weird Charlton shit that he'd done. So yeah, I was, I was pretty obsessed. But yeah, to this day, I still don't have. I have the stories in one form or another, like in uh, classic X Men or some of the uh, the trades. But I'm I'm not. I've just never been much for reprints. I prefer to own the original if I can afford them, and so I, I really want to have the actual issues of uh, of Uncanny. But I still lack a bunch of them because they're just too damn expensive. 
But anyway, that's my list. Oh, uh, before I forget, uh, Brian here, he'd actually answered his own question. He submitted his own five as well. So he's got here, and I don't know if these are in any particular order, so I'm just going to read them in the order he's got them. Number one, Gobbledygook. First first appearance of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He said, I thought they looked stupid. <laughs> Number two, The Walking Dead. Enough said. Number three, any of the Perez Wolfman Teen Titans. Number four, this is a good one, Iron Fist number 15. I passed it up for an issue of Captain America. I'd like to know what issue he passed it up for. Iron Iron Fist number 15, that's the first appearance of Sabretooth, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that book is, oh man, I, I need that for my collection. As a matter of fact, I don't have that one either, but I know I didn't have the opportunity to buy it when it came out, though. I wasn't into Burn at the time. And lastly, number five, Ronin, the whole series. He says, I saw it and didn't know what it was. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think you missed much there. I saw it and wasn't impressed. So I, you know, that is one I had the opportunity to buy off. The, Chris, didn't you buy that new off the stands? I, I ordered it. You had to order it. It was direct sales. Oh, uh, okay. I ordered it. I ordered Ronin at the, on the same order that I ordered Daredevil 181. And Ronin was beautiful art-wise, but story-wise, kind of thin. So maybe it's sort of harbinger <laughs> of things to come with uh, Frank Miller. <laughs> but it was really nice to look at. Well, that wraps us up on that one. Uh, I do not know what our segment for next time is, so uh, you guys will know when we know. <laughs> Your no, 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 no. We got to do a, a follow-up. What's we that? have to do the top five books you wish you had never picked up. Ooh. <laughs> oh, shit. That's a tough one. That'll be a good one, though. I know what my number one is, but that's about it. All right. Yeah, we Young can do that number one. one. It's everyone's I'm already one. thinking about it. Yeah, okay. That's a good one. <laughs> December 7th, Earth 2, 1941, a world very much like our own, yet slightly different, a date which will live in infamy, a world at war, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Following the Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt brought together the largest group of mystery men ever assembled to battle the Axis powers. Tales of the Justice Society of America presents The All-Star Squadron.
twotruefreaks.com. Well, that brings us that means. to everybody's favorite part of the show. Yay. Get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic. 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 All right. <laughs> this month for Get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic, I am going to read Shazam. <laughs> Mr. Kelly Logue. Yay! First off, I am confused because Superman is on the cover and isn't even in the comic at all. <laughs> With little Billy Batson freaking out an old chum because he hasn't aged in 20 years. It makes him remember his origin story. You know, where a pointy hat guy leads him to a psychedelic train that takes him to an old guy who gives him a magic word which is Shazam and then gets squashed by a 16-ton cube. He hears gunshots and then Shazam's up and catches two crooks with 70s hair and moustaches. They were stealing electronic parts, which is a clue. But then we have a flashback where we see why the Marvels have disappeared for the last 20 years. They were getting an, uh, an award when Dr. Sylvania uses a blimp to, sh- to suck the Shazams and some of the crowd into space. He and his kids who look just like him so much that I wonder how closely related Mrs. Sylvia was related to him. Anyway, they put them all into a suspended animation in a ball of suspended animation but then crashed their ship, so they are frozen in the ball too. When the ball drifts too close to the sun, it melts the marvels out, but the Silversons escape, but Shazam finds them at a secret mountain hideout and catches them. Then they all laugh. Then there is a story about a cheap old man who tries to steal a ball of interdimensional string from interdimensional old King Cole. Shazam helps him, but then lets the king keep his string because it's so important to him that he is willing to burn a young child's tongue out to keep it. The end. <laughs> that about sums it up, right? <laughs> yeah, it does, actually. <laughs> oh, man. So, what? <laughs> I love you... this comic. Oh, good lord. <laughs> oh man yeah um the cover on this is strange because all right it's sort of like hi i'm superman if you like me check out this right he's not he's not even saying see i always thought he actually introduced it i i, w- I would have bet money that superman actually said something like meet my pal captain marvel or something he actually doesn't he's just pulling back the curtain to introduce Superman or to introduce Captain Marvel, but what's funny is that Billy and uh, and Cap are drawn by CC Beck, but I'm pretty sure that the Superman right there, I think that's drawn by uh, Nick Hardy. 
What do you think, Mike? Does that look like Cardi to you? A little bit, yeah. I don't think that's CC Beck drawing Superman. I don't think it, uh, it, it might be Neil Adams. Because mm. he's got the Neil Adams sideburns. He does, actually, now that you say that. Well, yeah, it could be from something totally different that they just clipped on there, you know? Yeah. Or it could be that Beck drew the body of Superman and that they had, like, Adams redo his face. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. To make it look more like it. You know, it's just funny. Every time I see this cover, I think of the fact that this and Howard the Duck, number one, were two of the early first issues that people stockpiled. Right. Thinking that they were later going to be worth a lot of money. And thus, you can find this issue cheap. Oh my God. It is, usually you can find like the first six issues and a lot on eBay for like 10 bucks. Really? Maybe less. Yeah. I've seen a lot of those. I tried to sell mine on eBay years ago, didn't get a, a single bite. Huh. See, I always thought this first issue uh, priced real high. That's surprising, because but of course I, I'm see I'm not interested in this. Makes me sound like such a snob, but I, I love Captain Marvel. But this particular iteration of Captain Marvel, I, I just have no time for. I uh, I'm looking for the last two issues of the book because that was where. Now, maybe this is just my own interpretation. I, I don't know if I've ever actually read anything to, to bear this theory out or what, but my guess would be that somebody somewhere thought, you know, this just isn't working. And so the last two issues are a radical departure from everything they'd been doing here. I think the only thing that stayed the same was the writer, who was, uh, I believe it was uh, E. Nelson Bridwell. And... They changed up the art, and the first new art issue, I think, was Alan Weiss, and I think he was intended to be the artist, and then for some reason, he didn't stick around. I think the next one was, um, what was his name, Don Newton, and I think that was the last issue, and then Newton was the one that took over the strip, and the strip wandered all over the place. The strip was in... World's Finest, and I think it eventually wound down in uh, Adventure Comics, I think. Some, something to that effect. But uh, the the stories became a little less juvenile when that art style changed up. They, they were attempting to be a little more contemporary with, uh, with the Marvel family at that point. But, I mean, as... As much as I don't have any interest in this today, I can remember having a, a good collection of these comics when I was really little, and like first turning, you know, learning how to read, and especially when when Captain Mar- when Shazam was actually on television, I was all over this because I loved that show. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. I I I love this because I remember reading Shazam comics when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this, uh, it, this is obviously, and and I and it's funny that you mentioned, you know, just learning to read, because it's sort. I think it's written on sort of maybe even a, a lower level than Spidey Stupid stories, right? But I like it so much more because it's just so bizarre <laughs> and ridiculous, you know. 
Right. And, but it's a, a lot more imaginative. And it 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 doesn't seem as condescending to little kids when it's so weird as this. It seems condes it 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 seems simplistic to a grown man, right? But you know, I mean, but before we started this podcast, I was on the toilet reading Mad Magazine. So there you go. <laughs> so like tonight, or just when you guys first came up with Comics Monthly Monday? No, yeah, just 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 before we we recorded tonight. Oh, okay. Um, but you know, I do my these, best thinking there, by the way, these weird, <laughs> oh yeah, I do a lot of thinking there. So there, um, there's that moment at the end where like he captures the, the savannas and he's carrying them all away and, you know, make it just, you know, sort of crime doesn't pay. But then he goes, no, there's one more thing. It's great to be alive. Right, Savannah's? And they're all like smile cheerily and go, right. <laughs> what the hell is that all about? It's great <laughs> though. It's just this random, random moment. And the, and the old story that they reprinted is the same sort of thing. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. And, but, I mean, I would have had a lot of fun with it as a kid. And another thing I noticed that I noticed even as a little kid, Mary Marvel. Hmm. Oh, yeah. They drew Mary Marvel with a special sort of <laughs> anywhere. All her shots are sort of like pinup shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a, they a, they all draw attention to her legs and thighs and and her skirt and stuff. And I remember being a little kid and being inappropriately... <laughs> um, interested in Mary Marvel. You, you need know? to attend more conventions, my friend. Yeah, I was oh, about no, to I've... say, especially when she's all like leathered up when she's the Mary Marvel from oh, Countdown, see, which see, actually well, whatever. Yeah, that I that's... don't like. I like the I like the sweet innocent. Did you uh, uh, did you actually read why she was like that? It was actually a really good story. I read the story. I, I the why of it. I. I I've never read, but yeah, I read the story and was like, really? This this is a character that just... You should not be doing that, was my opinion, but... Ult- ultimately, she had been taken over by a new god. Ah, uh, okay. There was okay. goodness in there. And so it really wasn't her. But... Uh, I gotcha. It, it's, it's funny you say that, Chris, because there's this picture, and I don't know if it was done for a calendar or a pinup, but it's basically... The Marvel family, like sitting around, like like Mary and Mary sitting on the wizard's lap, mm-hmm. and he's got like this smile she on can his sit face. Sit on the wizard's lap anytime, baby. And I, Scott and I have joked about this in the past. To me, when I look at that picture, it looks like they're about to like shiv him. Like that. Like, that like, was promotional for the, yeah. the change up of the artist. But it's this it's this kind of creepy looking picture where where Mary's got like this seductive smile and Billy's got this like you're gonna you're gonna get the money from him, right? Yeah. And the old man's just like, I got a young girl on my lap. <laughs> now I realize today that they were they were purposely drawing Cheesecake Mar- Mary Marvel because they were probably like comic artists and <laughs> they needed something to look at. They weren't looking at real girls because they were drawing comics all day. I would be really into getting more of these and 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 reading them. There, I I'm enjoy. You know, I I'm lately I enjoy, uh, like those Doom Patrols, the the really sort of naive, and simplistic, almost 
but you know the the ones set for children but then reading them just as sort of like simplistic iconic stories you know i don't know there's a it's very appealing to me as i as i look i love everything i love the lettering in it i love the ads especially it's just, just kind of sad that in the world's finest series notwithstanding power of shazam notwithstanding it never seemed to me that DC could get their act together with Captain Marvel on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. It's like every once in a while they would do something kind of cool with him, but it seemed like they would just lose focus or the audience would lose interest. And then, you know, audience lose interest, sales goes down. I mean, they tried to bring this character back with the C.C. Beck art style. And I have nothing against the material from the 40s. I really don't. I don't really like reading it, but I have nothing against it. But you can't bring that back into a modern, you know, in the 70s at least, style and expect it to catch on. I mean, you you can't, I mean, but yeah, the the demographic that this should really appeal to isn't old enough to have an allowance even. Right. Really, I mean, and a lot of times those kids who it's weird. It's almost like comics for those little kids are almost on a skewed um, release form because my my first experience with kiddie comics were hand me downs, you know, and that's what I bet you most kids got where their older brothers their older brothers started reading superhero comics. So here here's um, your your little dot comics to read. You know, and your Spidey Stupid stories, and that's how you, you got them not necessarily off the newsstand, you know. You could beg your parents for one once in a while, but it was nothing you could go out and get, so. Yeah, I don't know. How, how long did this run? 30-some issues? So almost 30, three years? Yeah, 36, yeah. I think, and... I, that, that depends on if it was monthly or not, which I'm not sure it was. For some reason, I want to say it was bi-monthly, but that that's just off the top of my head. I mean, how many comics were was DC putting out back in this in these days? I'm not sure. I think this is pre-implosion, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, it's pre-implosion, way before the implosion. So yeah, I'm not sure how many. Uh how many books they were putting out at that time. Well, if only there was a site that had, like, <laughs> every book that DC... Not only DC, but, like, every publisher put out. I, I would take the time and look it up, except I'm looking at uh, Mary Marvel cosplay pictures at the moment, and I'm, oh. I'm rather enthralled, so... Oh, how did I, how, how did I not anticipate that? Earlier <laughs> <laughs> comments... The next time I come to visit Scott, I'm going to get some little piece of software that I can sneak onto his computer that, like, so every time, like, an internet search goes out for something involving superheroes and boobs, I'll have a little red light that'll bing, 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 bing. It'll just be very interesting to track. Okay, this is very cool. You guys got to see this. This is, this is not actually inappropriate for a change. This is actually what? really, really cool. This is Captain Marvel, very classic looking. He looks like what was the guy's name? Tom, not Tom Lyle. It was something Lyle that played Captain Marvel in the serials. 
he looks like that version of Captain Marvel sitting in Captain Kirk's chair from the original Enterprise. This is very cool. See if that image works for you. Yes, it does. Isn't that he's neat? Got a very, yeah, he's got a very uh, Shatner-esque... Um, he doesn't look like Shatner, but there's just something about... Maybe it's his eyebrows or something. <laughs> but he... Do you remember... I know you haven't seen the actual Shazam or, or you know Captain Marvel serial, but do you remember in the Captain Marvel segments of G-Men Forever? They called him the Cape Madman, remember? The Cape Madman, yeah. Yeah, that's the guy. Take that, dummy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That that actor's name was something Lyle. I just can't remember what his first name Tom was. Tom Lyle. Was it Tom? See, Tom, Tom Lyle no, was Tom an artist. Tom Lyle was a... Uh, He's an artist, right? Yeah, Tom Lyle was the guy that drew Starman. I mean, what do I think? But for some reason, that name He's still like, seems Tom like... Tyler? Tom Tyler, that's it. Tom Tyler. Yeah. So yeah. this guy is the original actor who was in that serial. No, I'm just saying picture? he looks. He looks oh, like. Okay. I'm sure that guy's long. I was gonna say much. he's looking yeah. pretty young for. Right. For no, that, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure Tom Tyler's probably long deceased by now, but he sure as hell looks like him though. Yeah, the, the Cape Madman's the one who said, "Take that, dummy." Yep. You crazy bastard! You ever. crushed my skull. <laughs> so Scott, I, I do have to ask now that it's available on DVD. Have you ordered it yet? I haven't. I haven't. I haven't had a spare thirty-five bucks, but I need to. I need. To. I was, as a matter of fact, strangest coincidence. I was just looking at that yesterday because I, I think somebody posted a link to it on, I don't know, on Facebook or something. I was like, damn it, I need to hurry up and order this thing. I really do, because I've been itching to rewatch that series, but the copies I have of it are complete crap. So, yeah, I really want to rewatch the whole thing. Because, you know, I don't care that it's, what, it's got to be damn near 40 years old by this point. I don't care that it's that old. I don't care that it's super cheesy. I don't care that it was made for children's Saturday morning programming i i just i can watch that and just thrill to it the stories are just stupid but you know and and the effects aren't even that good but i'm telling you at least the very first season of that when it was uh jackson bostwick damn i love that stuff i mean it's i used to watch those religiously and and um isis yep my sister used to do the spinning around oh mighty isis Mm mm-hmm Yep, I watched both of those shows. ISIS may may have been the first time that uh, that, uh, that that like a that might have been you starting. Yeah, Scott started to wake up. Exactly, got tingly. Pay attention to time. the TV a little bit. Yeah, just had to sit a little closer. Well, ISIS did a slow rise into the air. I did a slow rise into the air. <laughs> Set him up, knock him down. <laughs> Yeah, that and uh, I, I, I could watch that. And remember Arc Two with the talking yep. monkey. Yep, Bigfoot and Little Boy and all those, all those damn shows. Yep, I do. Well, do we have, uh, do we have any inkling what uh, the Get Chris segment might be for next month? No, I'll, I, I could always just dig. I've been digging out some. I've been digging out some winners, picking some winners, as they say. <laughs> So I'm, I'm sure I'll find something between now and then. Cool. Works for me. Mike? Um, 
Stop looking at porno and pay attention. Listen to that projection going on there. You don't want to mention Mary Marvel cosplay. This is all you know. Uh, No, I'm going to pick it in 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 the next week. I'm going to pick the next get get Chris to read a superhero comic because I'm no, I got it. Starman number one from 1988. Okay, cool. I will find it and I will read it. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Be sure and tell them Large Marge sent ya! <laughs> Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes. and You can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks.
Hi, my name is Mike, and I like comic books. Okay, so what do you think about Ben Affleck being Batman? No, I said I like comic books. That's a movie, and I couldn't care less. Well, it's a comic book movie. Really? Did you go see the magazine movie? Or do you watch the television book? I like comic books. You know, those things make for paper, especially the old ones. Whoa, those things. Are they CGC 9.8? No, you're missing the point. I like to actually read comic books, especially the old ones. I like them so much, I even build a website to tell other people about them. Does it have any information about uh, Avengers 2? No, it has info about actual comic books. Lots of covers, creator credits, character appearance lists, story synopsis notes, and so much more. Hmm, that sounds interesting. Where can I find it? It's at mikesamazingworld.com. Do I have to read anything? Reading makes my brain hurt. You can just look at the pictures if you want. Or you can listen to my podcasts, where I talk about the history of DC Comics, especially the old ones. So I can listen to a comic book podcast? It's a podcast about comic books. You can find it at twotruefreaks.com. What's it called? Mike's Amazing World of DC History. History? You mean like before Twitter? Yes, the world actually did exist long before Twitter. My show is for comic book fans, especially the old ones. So check out Mike's Amazing World of Comics, the website, and listen to Mike's Amazing World of DC History, the podcast, for information and fun related to actual comic books, especially the old ones.